Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. I'm sorry I've been posting these videos so late at night, but I'm still trying to get into the groove of everything. But I hope you do still enjoy it. If you have a story of your own, be sure to send it at southerncannibal.com. And with all that being said, let's get into the stories. Oh, and of course, remember to always stay hungry. I was freshly 19 at the time and had just started at Target for the Christmas season. They had me working on the cash register this particular day, but normally I worked in the electronics section. It was about 45 minutes or so until closing and I had what appeared to be a tall blonde man who looked to be maybe in his late 30s with what I thought was maybe his daughter, but she stayed behind him and she looked to be 16. This guy had a full basket of clothes and groceries, but the clothes were the weirdest part, seeing as how it was a range of babies' clothes, men's, women's, and ranging from pants to jackets. He started a conversation, and I realized he was Russian, which isn't really rare around where I live, upstate South Carolina, but I was having kind of a hard time understanding what he was saying, but he was smiling the whole time. I'm a nice guy in general, and I'm not freaked out easy, so I kept the conversation going, until he started trying to get me to talk to his daughter, saying in his thick accent, you seem to be really nice and attractive, we're new to the area, so you should take my daughter out around town. I said no because, first of all, I'm married, and also because she seemed younger and not interested. Honestly, she seemed kind of scared but I didn't really think about it at the time. As I continued ringing out his things, he kept saying how I should take her out and asking what time I get off. I told him that I didn't know because we had to stay and clean up the store. I also forgot to mention that I was riding with my friend to work. He wrote down his number and gave it to me as we were finishing up. He spent over $500 in cash for the items. I never heard from him again and I threw away the number but I have always wondered whether that was really his daughter. What would have happened if I texted him? This may not seem very scary, but as a male, this very much took me off guard. Stay safe, everyone, and happy holidays. This happened a long time ago when I was a teenager. I was around 15 or 16 when this event took place. It happened on Christmas Eve, and a bunch of my family was over at my house for Christmas. I was in my bedroom when my dad had called me and my sisters for dinner. When I was leaving my room, I thought I saw something move outside of the window. But since there was a tree by the window, my first thought was it being a tree moving in the wind. I closed the door of my room and went into the dining room where all of my family was sitting and I got an uneasy feeling all of a sudden, but I again brushed it off. I sat down in a seat by my sister, who we'll call Jessica. Anyways, after I finished eating, I was the first one to finish since I don't eat much. I then left the table and went back to my room, and the moment I walked in, I had a bad feeling. I didn't brush it off this time, and I looked out the window, 
I couldn't really see outside and my light was on, so if somebody was outside, they could see me just fine. I shut off my lamp and looked again, but nobody was there. However, I then saw marks on my window, like fingerprints in the dust, but not a full handprint. I left my room and I went to my dad who was still eating. He wasn't very concerned, but he still went to my room to check it out. But when he went inside, he saw someone pressing their fingers on the window, trying to see inside a bit more clearly. My dad then yelled, and I guess the person outside must have heard it, since he then stopped and bolted away. My dad ran outside and saw the guy. He said he looked to be a younger guy in his early 20s. He had a black hood on and jeans. Unfortunately, my dad didn't catch him, but we did call the police. But unfortunately, they weren't able to find him either. Some of our family even wanted to leave since they felt really uneasy from the incident. We haven't seen the guy since, but it's still really creepy to go through that during the holidays. I really hope I don't see that guy again or any other creeper during the holidays. I've never told this story before outside of our close friends and family, but in the light of recent events, I've decided to share my story. I feel more than anything that this is a story about how listening to your gut feeling and acting on it fast can change anything. In the early 2010s, I was a young 911 dispatcher with about one and a half years experience under my belt, and I was working on Christmas Day. Since it was Christmas, all of the offices inside the courthouse were closed, and only essential personnel were working that day. That meant the only ones that were there were myself, five other dispatchers, and about 15 sheriff's deputies. To explain a few things and set the scene, us dispatchers were in a secured unlocked room in the basement of the courthouse and the deputies that were not on any calls were in their squad room two floors above us. Normally the public can access their lobby, but with the holiday, the entire building was locked. Due to this, if a citizen needed to make a report or talk to a deputy, they would need to pick up the phone outside the courthouse or call dispatch on their cell phone to speak with one of us first. One more thing, the parking area for employees was around the side of the courthouse and was bordered on one side by a large man-made dike. This was because the courthouse sits right along a very large river and the dike helps prevent flooding when the river's at high levels. This means that if someone were to stand at the top of the dike, they can look down on the parking lot and everyone unsuspectingly walking to their cars. Okay, now for the events of my story. So, like I said, it was Christmas Day around 2 p.m., and everything was pretty quiet. So much so that we were all watching Home Alone and eating snacks, with barely a call to answer or squeak of radio traffic. Even though I was at work in a dark basement, I was in a happy and jovial mood, and I almost forgot that given where we worked, that could all change in one instant. It was my turn to answer the phone. So when the regular office line, not the 911 line, rang, I answered with a chipper. Dispatch. My screen indicated the caller was calling from a cell phone, 
and was painting in the general area of the downtown riverfront, which is also where the courthouse is located. There was a silence for a moment. Dispatch, how can I help you? I said. A gruff and already angry sounding man's voice said. Yeah, I'm on my way there right now. On your way where? I asked. On my way to you. He said in a creepy tone that made my hair stand. I said, Sir, I'm sorry, but our offices are closed due to the holiday. Did you want me to make a report and I can have a deputy call you? You'll find out when I get there. He said sharply and then hung up. Hmm, that was super weird, I thought. I turned around to my coworkers and I told them I felt like this caller was being vaguely threatening and that I had a really bad feeling. They had asked me why did I feel like that, since he basically just said he was coming to the courthouse with no direct threats, and what was anyone supposed to do with that little information? I really didn't know, but I then explained the sense of impending doom I felt, and everyone just laughed at the rookie, saying I was looking for zebras instead of horses. For a second, I thought they might be right, but then I was like, Nope, I'm going with the voice screaming in my head, and if it ends up being nothing, oh well. After I made up my mind, I picked up the phone and called the squad room upstairs. I explained to the deputy the same reason I felt it was suspicious, and thankfully, he understood, then saying, Sure, we'll go check it out. I thought, okay, good, and I felt a little sense of relief, but just then, the phone rang again. The coworker that was giving me the most crap quickly answered. Dispatch. In his nasally voice. After just a moment, he slowly turned around to us and said, I just talked to the creepiest guy. All he said was, I'm here. Like a killer from a movie. And then he hung up. I thought, really? And then said, yeah, that's probably the same creepy guy I was talking about. Sure enough, the numbers matched, and I relayed this to the deputies checking around the courthouse. Still feeling very on edge, I sat and waited for an update. After a few minutes, one of the deputies yelled over the radio, We're out with one on the dike with a Code 9. Code 9 means firearm. They confirmed next that they had a subject in custody and that everyone was safe. I couldn't believe it. There was actually a guy just outside our workplace armed with a gun for who knows what reason. The deputies proceeded to run the man's name and firearm serial number and then took him to jail for booking on a threat with intent charge. All of this took a while, so I had to wait a few hours before one of the deputies came downstairs to give us the details. I thought I was already in shock, but after hearing the full details, believe me, I was shook. He said that they were already outside doing a basic perimeter check after I called them. One deputy walked up to the dike and checked behind a large power box. There behind that power box was a man crouching and trying to hide, and then next to him was a large high-powered automatic rifle. The nearby deputies rushed over, got him cuffed, and that's when they first let us know over the radio what was going on. As it turns out, 
This man was a disgruntled former employee of the county who got fired years previously for getting into a DUI wreck in his county-issued truck. His life then spiraled, and apparently, he lost everything, including his marriage and house. That was pretty much the last anyone had heard from him for years, until he popped up on Christmas with the murderous rage, just wanting to take it out on and kill some random county employees and cops. He knew we would be the only ones there that day, and where he was hiding up on the dike above the parking lot, he had a perfect vantage point to just pick us off during the shift change. I knew the guy sounded creepy, and I had a very bad feeling, but never in my wildest dreams would I think he was a potential active shooter and that we were his targets. Please always listen to your gut feeling, intuition, and the voice inside, or whatever you want to call it, because I would have much rather ended up being wrong and slightly embarrassed than dead. I knew a man named Joseph Michael Lopez. He was 22. He came over a couple of times to my house. He was my brother's friend and we would play games. He seemed like a really nice person. He was shy and outgoing and I would make him food, hang out, and we'd have fun watching them play games. He had a girlfriend and a baby, and he only came over twice. It horrifies me to this day knowing what he was truly capable of. It happened in Colorado after a few days of Christmas in 2018. Natalie Marie Bollinger, 19, had been suffering from a stalker, moved away from places, and he would keep following her. Natalie at the time kept feeling as if she had no way out, away from this and she posted a Craigslist ad, asking, looking for a hitman on myself. Joseph reached out to Natalie and made the choice to take her life. A couple of weeks after that, we didn't see him. We then found out on the news that Joseph had been sent to prison for the murder of Natalie. She was found dead on December 29th of 2018. If he never went on Craigslist, Natalie may have still been alive and hopefully gotten the help she needed. Before killing her, he stated that he used the gun that Natalie gave him, which she said he could keep as payment. After he failed to change her mind, they went for a drive and stopped by the side of the road, where they then said a prayer together, as Lopez knelt on the ground beside Natalie and then shot her once in the back of the head with a 9mm firearm. He had told many people that God told him to do it. It's so scary to think that Joseph Michael Lopez did something so terrible and horrific to Natalie when he seems so nice to people. You really never know what people are capable of. I'll have an article linked in the description if you want to see the validity of this story. This happened when I was 21. It was the second week of November 2015, so most stores already had their Black Friday deals rolling. I figured I could get a cheap laptop for cheaper than I would normally have to pay. Anyway, the Walmart was already filled with people looking to get their Christmas shopping done early. I quickly made my way to the electronics section and got the last laptop they had. When I grabbed it, an overweight guy who looked to be in his mid-fifties asked me if he could have the laptop. Sorry, man, it's the last one. 
They may have some more tomorrow if you come back. I replied quickly. As I was walking to the register, I heard the man shouting at me, but I couldn't make out what he was saying because of all the chatter and all the crying kids near me. I just ignored it and went home. It was about 10 o'clock at night when I decided to set up the laptop. As I was setting it up, I started to hear my car alarm going off. I went outside to check, but nothing was there. I just shut it off and continued setting up the laptop. Five minutes later, I heard it again. I went outside more quickly this time and was able to see someone standing by my car. I turned the porch light on and it was the man from Walmart. You better get the hell out of here because I have a gun. I was just bluffing and I screamed at him. I thought he would just run away, but no. He then pulled out a knife and started to come towards me with it. I then ran into the house and called 911. While on the phone, I had heard one of the kitchen windows break. I then ran to hide in the bathtub upstairs. The police arrived quickly after that and arrested him. He was then charged with breaking and entering, as well as attempted murder. And yeah, that's how I almost lost my life over a fucking laptop. One year, my husband and I decided to get a jump on our Christmas shopping, since our local mall is outdated and failing. So we went to a larger mall in a nearby city. We were all shopping and on our way out, when I had spotted a clothing store that was more catered to teens and young adults, thinking I could find some cute items for our daughter. My husband was a grump about it, since we had already been shopping for a few hours. But it was very slow since it was the middle of a work day. I knew it would be an easy trip. He resigned himself to just leaning against a wall and checking some emails on his phone. I had made my way towards the back of the store, eyeing some glittery t-shirts that were half off. It was a few feet from the back wall and had a large sign that blocked out any vision of anything behind it. I had noticed a couple of very familiar sounds while browsing but I didn't think anything of it at first. While flipping through the shirts, I could feel a shuffling from behind, and I noticed that the large cardboard cell display swayed forward as if someone had kicked it. I stepped back and was genuinely freaked out. I was looking at a blank wall with a gap and no more than a couple of feet. How, and more importantly, why was someone back there? I decided to act as though I hadn't noticed and lingered near a rack of clothing opposite the display. I had begun to think that I had imagined it when I heard that familiar noise yet again. All at once, I realized what was happening. There was someone behind there and he was taking pictures and the shutter noise was that of a very professional grade camera. My heart started to pound as my mind searched for any possible reasons a person might do that. I took several steps back to give him a false sense of security, and I peered at every angle to verify what I'd suspected. It worked, as I was able to make out a man tug behind the display, taking pictures towards the cashier stand. A young girl was quietly helping a customer, and then returned to some paperwork she had been filling out. It felt like hours looking back from the display to the girl before I knew I'd seen enough. 
I pretended to browse my way to the front and then told my husband what I'd seen. Now, he's six feet tall, so all he had to do was peer around the left side of the display to confirm what I had told him. We both understood the man's motives instantaneously, and I had to stop my lumberjack from yanking the man to his feet. Instead, I approached the girl, whom I later learned was only 16, but was able to work during the day due to her schedule and her communal homeschool program. I quietly asked her if it would be possible to speak with the manager, as there was no way I was going to tell her myself, not out in the open as we were. The manager had walked up from a small hallway, and to her confusion, I met her halfway, and I motioned for her to back up out of sight. It took me a moment to assure her that I wasn't a crazy person, but once I got the words out, all the color drained from her face. She asked me to wait there as she casually called the cashier with the softest and slowest words I'd ever heard to then bring the inventory file to her. You could see her confusion, but she did what she was asked. She opened her office door and motioned for the girl to sit as she picked up the phone and asked for security. I felt terrible for the expressions the girls made, as it probably looked like she was being fired and escorted out. Immediately after hanging up, the manager reached for the girl's hands from across her desk and then said, Sweetheart, I don't want you to be nervous or scared, but we have reason to believe that that man who's been following you is in the store. The manager looked at me with a pleading look, which I knew meant for me to sit with her so she can meet security. I could tell that it was very difficult for her to casually walk to the front as she took a couple of breaths before walking out the door. I knew my husband had not moved away from the doorway. The man had absolutely no chance of getting past him. He told me that she acknowledged him with a knowing look and a nod, as she had said hello to us when we came in. She stopped security from entering the store and ushered them off to the side. He told me that she, in a quiet rush of words, told them that he's back in the store and to call the police. And in one quick motion, she was back in the store and that she had pulled the gate down and locked it from inside. I was still with a young girl who was shaking and crying. I was so thankful for my disposition as she felt comfortable enough to let me put my arm around her. I tried to soothe her, telling her that it was okay and that her manager was going to take care of him. It turned out that the manager was her big sister and that they first noticed that man about a month after her little sister started working there. It started out as just unsettling looks as he wandered around the store. Then she would see him at the food court and even in the parking lot. She was convinced that he was following her and they were even able to pick him up lingering around her on security cameras. Weeks before, she noticed him watching her from the driver's seat in an old car a few spaces opposite from her. She was so paranoid that she stopped driving and had her schedule changed to only work shifts where she could ride in with her sister. Her sister was all over it. Security knew the situation, but the cops told them there was nothing they could do until he openly committed a crime. Inside, my husband and the manager were anxiously awaiting the police while she nervously filled my husband in on what was happening. I'm so glad we both went in that day. We had all expected the man to realize what was happening and to try and make a run for it, but he actually stayed there until the police pulled him from his hiding place. 
He couldn't have been older than mid-twenties. He had unkempt hair, a color mute hoodie, and a nice big camera. He went off with his head down and not a single word. I called back about a week later and learned that he had been arrested for predatory stalking and they had a ton of evidence recovered from his camera. He had been stalking her almost every day as there were literally hundreds of photos in many different outfits. You could hear the tears in her voice when she thanked us. It was so hard to keep tears out of my own voice as well. I have a daughter that's that same age. I really can't bear the thought of what might have happened had we not gone into that store. 